Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, howdy, Restoration family. This week, I was talking to the staff, and, and, and I shared with them this, this crazy story out of 2 Kings chapter 6 involving Elisha and the, the king of Syria. Uh, the story is that the king of Syria was, was, was trying to ambush and attack the, the, the Israelites, uh, and at every move, uh, God was was letting Elisha know of the, the Syrians' plans. And so every time the Syrians went to attack Israel, uh, Israel had been tipped off and, and was saved. And so uh, what happens in the story is that the king, the king of Assyria, uh, he he. Uh, asks, he looks around and he asks his, his, his servants and those around him, he says, hey, what's going on? Who, uh, it's, it's like someone is in my room listening to my thoughts. And they said, uh, they tell him, it's, it's this prophet Elisha in Israel uh, is, is the one who's thwarting your plans. And so if you can imagine, the king of Syria takes his army and he tracks down this he tra- tracks down Elisha this one single prophet and he surrounds him and in in 2 Kings 6 uh, if you can imagine this picture Elisha is with his servant they're surrounded by the enemy and and this is you know this is the Jonathan Brooks international version but you know the the servant is quaking in his boots he's scared out of his mind and god speaks and and and, and god moves and, and elisha prays this prayer he says o lord open his eyes so that he may see and in that moment, the servant's eyes are open to this reality. Not only does he now see the Syrian army surrounding, surrounding Elisha and himself, but he sees the armies of the Lord. He sees horses and chariots of fire surrounding the enemy. But Elisha in that moment prayed, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see and God moved and God spoke into that and he opened the servant's eyes right now church we we need to have our eyes opened the see the 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 physical reality of of this global crisis but it can be overwhelming every day there's another news story there's another article there's another video there's another statistic there's another there's more death there's there's another hot take on on all of it but behind the physical there are these unseen spiritual realities at work and and more importantly church family god is at work and, and i believe he, he i believe he desires to speak through this to to his church uh and, and to the world as a whole 
Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says this. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The, see, the battle is not against Corona. Uh, in fact, the battle, it belongs to the Lord. And, and similar to 2 Kings chapter 6, I think he, he sort of sovereignly surrounds us, even, even church, when we can't see. And so our prayer must be, oh, oh Lord, open our eyes so that we may see. And so today, I, I want to continue our, our journey through Romans 12, and, and, and we're going to look at four things, really uh, four imperatives, if you will, that, that I believe uh, will set the, if we do these things, that will set the church apart during these times. And, and, and as God opens our, our eyes uh, to what He's up to, I, I, I really believe that our, our ability to, to do these four things will we'll not only um, build up others and, and, and bring encouragement and, and bring comfort, but, but I think as we do these four things in, in response to the gospel, I, I believe that people's eternities uh, and their lives can be changed. And so uh, four imperatives uh, as we look at, at Romans 12, 9 through 13. Verses nine and ten, we're gonna we're gonna look at the, this imperative to love genuinely. Uh, verse eleven, we're gonna look at the imperative to to fight laziness. Uh, verse twelve, we're we're gonna live hopefully, and then fourth and finally in verse thirteen, we're gonna give generously. Uh, but before we dive in, I want to invite you to pray with me this morning, uh, Father God. Uh, we we come before you, and and we are. Uh, so grateful for your sovereignty over us and over this trial and over this crisis. Uh, God, thank you that your, your word continues to, to speak uh, into, into uh, this crisis that we're walking through. Thank you that the gospel still uh, is, is powerful. Jesus, that you are still, that, that you are still mighty to save. Uh, so God, as, as we open up your word today, uh, give us give us eyes to see, uh, give us the ears to hear, give us hearts to to respond to your word, and ultimately Jesus uh, change us as as we trust you uh, and as we follow you. Uh, we pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to read from from Romans twelve uh, verses nine through thirteen. It says it says this: Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer and contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
The first imperative I want to look at from verse nine, from verses 9 and 10 is simply this. We need to love, church, we're called to love genuinely. Uh, Paul, he uses this word, this Greek word agape for love here. Uh, Kent Hughes, pastor and commentator, says this. Uh, agape is, is re- relatively rare in the non-biblical Greek literature, but it's it's prolific use in Paul's writing is is really remarkable. Paul uses this word agape 75 times in his writings. And, and, and Kent Hughes says this, early Christians very possibly took it, took up this otherwise rare word to express the distinctive nature of the love that they had come to experience as the recipients of God's grace. And then the, the quality of the love that they were to show one another. Uh, when, I, when I officiate weddings, uh, is, is, uh, e- e- just last year I had the opportunity to officiate seven or eight weddings and you know, as, as I'm up on the platform and, and I'm, I'm looking at, and, and the groom is to my left and the bride is to my right and, and, and they're gazing at one another and preparing to say vows and, and they're just waiting for me, for me to, to get my, the, the, the message done so they can get on with being married. One of the things that I share with couples is that, listen, God's, God's love is countercultural. It, it's it is a sacrificial and a and a serving love. It's it's an unconditional love that gives everything. And and I, I'll share with couples that listen in, in in our culture and in this fallen world, like you you won't find this kind of agape love. And and, and like sure at times. You'll, you'll see a love in the world that, that attempts to mimic the love of God, but in the end, it, it always falls short. Uh, this, this fallen world, it always produces uh, like this, this knockoff. It's, it's, it's always going to produce a, a, a counterfeit. It's, it's a love that knows limits. It's a love that, that has an end. It's a love that's always sort of, it's going to be rooted uh, in, and it's going to be conditional on the other person's action or their beauty or, or their, their character. And agape love is different. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What a a crazy thought that that Paul sort of just like nonchalantly is like, hey, like if you would just 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 go ahead and love love like God, (laughs) that that's like that's like saying, Peter, um, just go ahead and and why don't you just walk walk on the water? Um, But here's the thing, church family. Peter, Peter did walk on the water, Um, but here's my point. It was impossible without Jesus. It, it was impossible without Jesus. And so right now, like the world needs Jesus. Like the world has always needed Jesus. But but let me just say this Christ follower, you need Jesus. <laughs> you need Jesus too. It's not like it's not like you receive the gospel message and then like you graduate on to something else. Like something that we've said before is like there's no gospel graduates. In, in fact, um, I, I would say this: the only way, 
that you can love your elderly neighbor. The only way that like, you can love your, your family that you've been co- cooped up with for the past few weeks, um, the only way that, that you can love like, your roommate who is like, getting on your everlast nerve right now, or that you can love that lost friend of yours who, who is battling hopelessness right now, the only way you can genuinely love them is if you are living in a moment-by-moment relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you are, then you understand that God's grace covers every square inch of your life, every second of the day. And and it's only from that place that you can love others genuinely with no pretense. In In verse 10 in Romans 12, it sort of flows from verse 9, this call to love genuinely, where Paul says to outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, Philippians uh, 2, 3-4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, this idea of outdoing one another in, 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 in honor. Like, can, can you imagine a competition where the goal was to like one up somebody in showing them honor? Uh, in out honoring them uh, I, like I've seen shows where, where celebrities sort of roast each other I, I've seen uh, uh, these like comedy wrap-offs where where celebrities they, they sort of blast each other by with with one put down line after another uh, is is they rap um, but can you imagine like a competition where, hey, like let's let's heap so much honor and in uh, in in praise on on another? We're gonna out honor them. We're we're gonna out uh, praise them. Uh, here, here's here's the point. <laughs> How are you actively moving toward others to honor them right now? See, last week we we talked about humility, uh, but but honor flows from humility. And, and, and right now, like if you're struggling right now to, to build up and to honor others with, with, your, with your speech, um, I, I, it's, I, I would say this, I think it, it's, it's simply because you either think too highly of yourself, which, which indicates pride, or you, you think too lowly of yourself, with it, which indicates insecurity. Um, and either way, hear my heart, You've got to get the focus off of you and you've got to get it on others. Church, we've got to love genuinely. The second thing as we look at verse 11 is we've got, we've got to fight laziness. The text says don't, don't be slothful in zeal. So, so last week I asked this question, how, how are you stewarding this, this corona crisis? Um, church, Hear my heart on this. If, if all we're doing uh, is using the extra space in our life right now to sort of to, to watch more Netflix or, or more Amazon Prime or, or more Disney or Hulu uh, or, or whatever else we're watching or streaming or, or playing, uh, I think that this truth is evident. It's, 
It's not that our lives were too busy before to be uh, digging into the Word of God or to be praying or to be sharing Jesus with others or moving toward others in love. It's that the, our, our natural, the natural fleshly tendency is to fill that space with busyness in the stuff of this world. And so we've got to fight laziness. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, it says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not, not as wise, but as unwise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Uh, listen, we, church, we, we've got to capture each moment. If, if you capture the moment, you, you win the day. And, and if you win each day against spiritual laziness, you, you will grow in your passion and pursuit of, of God and others. And, and that's why the, the sort of the, the, the positive response in our fight against laziness is that we fight for fervency. Uh, Colossians 3.23-24 tells us, Work heartily as unto the Lord, and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving Jesus Christ. So the, the text tells us, Work heartily as unto the Lord. Christian, listen, here's the application. You'll, you'll start redeeming each day for the glory of God when, when you realize that even though... like. Even though those hours of isolation, like even with, with all the social distancing, even that time, even though that time in your house, like it feels like you're alone. No, listen, God is present. He is present in those moments and know that you can serve God in the way that you steward and redeem your time. The third thing is you look at verse 12, the third imperative, if you will, is we need to live hopefully right now. Um, I've been reading through Philippians this week and and repeatedly Paul, he he commands the Philippian church uh, to to rejoice, which which it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a big deal until you realize that the Philippian church was experiencing a a tremendous amount of persecution at the time. And so like it's easy to rejoice when when things are good. It's easy to rejoice when it's good, but it's a whole it's a whole different story when trials and fear and, and anxiety abound. And that's what Paul says in Philippians 129, for it has been granted to you that for the sake that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but that you also suffer for his sake. So for Paul, like trial and suffering, he just said, hey, that like that's that's par for the course. Like you should expect this. But then he says, even in that, we we've got to rejoice in hope. And 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 see, here here's here's the application, church family. This is where health and wealth, kind of like prosperity, the prosperity theology breaks down. 
Like here, here's where your like your best life now breaks down. Here's where moralistic therapeutic deism breaks down. And and and, and here's this is what I mean by by that last statement. If if your view of God is simply that he he sort of uh, exists to help you through the stuff of this life to to do good things and sort of to maybe to receive good things. Um, listen. That theology, it doesn't work when you're quarantined in your home and like when the whole world is suffering. It doesn't work. It breaks down. But if your hope, hear me, if your hope is in something that transcends uh, the the sorrow and the brokenness of this world, then you're going to be able to find joy and you're going to be able to rejoice even in the trial. And so you can be patient in tribulation. Uh, listen, <laughs> like I, I want this to get better. Like I, like I, like my hope and my prayer is this goes away soon, sooner rather than later. Um, I, like I, I really want that. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be quarantined in my home. Like I, I, I don't, I don't want to be perpetually sheltered in place. Like I, I don't want to continue to have to do the whole six to eight foot with everybody that I come across. Um, but, but here's the point. Like if it never ended, if it never ended this side of eternity, do I still believe that Jesus is better? Like, is, is my hope still in Him? Is my hope still in the cross and in the resurrection? Church, listen, God's promises still stand no matter what. And because of that, we can live hopefully. The fourth thing is this. The fourth imperative we see in verse 13 is to give generously. Like, we, we see this. This is the picture of Acts chapter 2. This is the picture of Acts 4. And, and, and hear my heart on this. Uh, we see this in Acts 11, 27 through 30 for, for sort of the church as a whole. The church's response to a global crisis in Acts 11, uh, this, the, the crisis of a global famine, the, their, their response was not, it was not to look to Rome. Uh, their response, they, they trusted in God. And in response to the Gospel, they moved toward one another and they met needs within the churches. Those with much, they, they helped with those who, who, who didn't have enough. And, and listen, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't socialism. As, as, as my good friend Pastor Billy Bernhardt says, it was gospelism. <laughs> there, was, there was no external constraint or, or regulation to give. There, like, there was no human authority requiring them, requiring them to share. Like church family, they, they, they just did it. They, they did it in response to the gospel and in response to Jesus giving giving everything for them. People, all the while, they, they were free to hold on to their stuff, but they were also free to give their stuff away, to give it away. But hear me, the more people started responding to the Gospel, the more their hearts burned with generosity and, and with charity. So like right now, 
Like, I, I'm hearing stories. I, I heard the story of, of an Acts 29 pastor in New York who, who his church, it's a smaller church, and like they're hurting right now. Their church is suffering. They, they, they've lost a lot of, of giving, and so they're, they're, they're trying to see if the church can stay up and running. And in the midst of it all, the, the pastor actually contracted COVID-19, and so he's battling sickness like while he's trying to leave and sustain his church and, and, and so listen it, if the best that we have for this this brother in his church is like hey you need to get that you need to go get that government money and if other if if large if there's a larger churches with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in the bank right now that they're sitting on like man we need to take a a hard look at ourselves we need to take a long look at ourselves and and, and listen on an individual level listen like church fam i like i i don't get to tell you what to do with your money and what to do with your resources. But, but what I can do is plead with you to abide in Jesus Christ, to remain in Him. Like to saturate your, your heart and your mind in, in the gospel of God's grace that, that He's lavished on you. And then from that place, I would challenge you to, to look around at, at, at the need that is all around you right now and then to move toward others like Jesus sacrificially moved towards you. Man, we, we're called to give generously. We're called, we're called to love genuinely. We're called to fight laziness. We're called to live hopefully. We're called to give generously. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of close with this thought. Here's my fear. My, my fear is that the American church may, may look a, a, a little too like, uh, eerily like the church in Sardis in Revelation 3, 1 through 3. Revelation 3, the, the apostle John says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. See, we have this reputation of, of being alive. Like, especially if, if the measure, if the, if the gauge is like of, of our being alive is, is like the size of our gatherings and churches, if it's, if it's the size of our buildings and our, our programs and the production. But listen, when the church can't get into the building, like, here's the question Are we loving genuinely? Are we fighting laziness? Are we living hopefully? Are we giving generously? Are we sharing Jesus and making disciples? Like, are we moving toward others and using our gifts? Are we forsaking the idols, these sort of American idols of our 401ks in our retirement, in our savings, in our, our safety net, in our comfort? And are we trusting the Lord? 
Or are we still clinging to the idols and the ideologies of culture? See, the Apostle John would say, wake up. Kanye West puts it like this. He would say, follow Jesus. Listen and obey. No more living for the culture where nobody's slave. Listen, if you want, if you want a perfect picture of loving genuinely, of, of fighting, for, of, of being fervent, of, of, of generous giving, Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jesus was, was God in human flesh who came down to this earth and, and he, he lived this life of obedience that, that you and I, like we couldn't live. He embodied a, a righteousness that, that, that you and I could never attain. He was perfect. And yet, Scripture says that they crucified Him on a Roman cross. And he died this gruesome, horrible death for you and for me is the perfect substitute. He died as a substitute in our place for our sin. But Scripture says, even though they, they put Him in a, in a grave, that death and sin and death could not hold Jesus. And on the third day, he, he rose and He's conquered sin and death. Jesus has set us free from sin and death. And so, it, I, I, I'm, listen, I'm not downplaying the very real problems and the issues of what's going on. Like, I'm not making light of COVID-19. For some, like, this is a matter of, like, physical life and death. Like, I, I spoke with a good pastor friend of mine whose uncle is battling. He's, he's fighting for his life and battling death over this. Like, like, this is not a time. It's not about having your head in the clouds while ignoring the trial and the suffering. But it is about understanding that there are worse things than perishing from COVID-19. Scripture, scripture tells us that an eternity in hell awaits those who reject the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But hear me, the good news is that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And Acts 2.21 says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm praying, I'm praying that God would open eyes. But it all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Call on Him. Call on Him. He will answer. He, he will save because He loves us and He's moved toward us. Love you, church family. Blessings.